0: Hello, I'm John Bates, and welcome to my podcast, Hope for Today, where I inspire to live with heavenly perspective and kingdom mindset. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoy. Hello, and welcome to Hope for Today. So I like to bring you hope. Um, call myself a hope dealer because we need more hope. We need more faith. Faith and hope go together. I call them first cousins. And so um, I want to instill something that puts you at ease and makes you want more of what I have, which is Jesus and the hope of Jesus. There's a scripture in Psalms 94:19 that says, when doubt fills my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. So if you're afraid of world conditions, if you're afraid of life right now, if you're still traumatized from what we went through as a nation and as a world and COVID, how about plugging to God today? Allow his word to comfort you, allow his word to guide you and give you hope. And I would say get involved in some worship music. That always helps. And today I want to invite a friend of mine or welcome a friend of mine, David Rosenblum. Hi, David. Hey, John. Hey, glad to have you today. David is a yeah. worshiper and he leads worship at a, a wonderful church, Griffin First Assembly. In Griffin, Georgia, and uh, he I met him, I guess we met about a year ago, a little over a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, and um, he's been out to our church to do worship. I've been in uh, Griffin, where he's at, where he's led worship, and we've become friends. I'd like to, to hang out more with him, but he stays over on the East Coast, and <laughs> I'm in the central part of the U.S., so we, we kind of have to look for reasons to talk and connect, but when we do, we laugh a lot. So, David, uh, how long have you been in? Well, tell us whatever you want to about yourself first of all.
1: Yeah, yeah. Thank you, John. First of all, thanks for for having me on here. I I uh, I love conversations. There, I think there's they can be so transformative, and and so uh, just just honored to be here. But yeah, so my name is David Rosenblum. I uh, I was five years old. My grandmother bought me my first keyboard, hmm. and uh, from that point on, I. Uh, I came to a point in my middle school, um, my middle school years, where I went to this camp experience. I grew up a Methodist Methodist kid in a very liturgical um, worship experience, so it was like um, it was like choir robes and pipe organs, right? And wow. so, th- yeah. So there's this moment in middle school where uh, I just kind of wanted to give you the backstory here. So there's this moment in middle school where I go to this camp uh, in Panama city beach called big stuff with one F. I remember that. And, uh, <laughs> it was my first experience walking into, um, the kind of wor- worship atmosphere that had drums and electric guitars and all the stuff. Right. And so I was blown away because I thought worship was just about pipe organs and all, you know, and, and that, right. was, that was my experience. And so, um, it blew my mind. And I remember John being on the way back home after that, um, just incredible week And I was listening to Chris Tomlin, um, on on a, on a record singing on a CD singing, uh, here I am to worship. And I was just feeling it so deeply in my heart. I took my headphones off and I looked at my youth pastor and said, is it possible to feel God in music? And he said, yeah. Yeah. And so as a middle schooler, it was in that moment right there where I was like, okay, my life is going to just be this kind of significant relationship between music and God. And then, and then after that, it would, it would pan out and, and, um, Several years later, I was invited to a church. found a, Found a church in um, St. Albans, West Virginia, with a friend from school. Walked in the first time, and I saw drums and guitars. And it reminded me of that uh, experience at that big stuff camp as a middle schooler, and I just immediately connected with the people. And so I ended up ended up leaving the Methodist Church and going to an Assemblies of God church in St. Albans, West Virginia, that was at the time pastored by uh, Dr. Ron Krum, and. And I was there for several years when I was 20, became the worship pastor. And uh, I can tell you about that, but I'm just, just give you the, the 30,000 foot right now. But right. I became the worship pastor. And then um, I was there for five years, went to ministry school in Pittsburgh. And then after that, I um, I, I, I felt like the Lord was having me land the plane at, at my church in St. Ombuds. I was ready for a new day, a new season, somewhere different. You know, I'd been in West Virginia for 26 years, so I was praying about it went down to Georgia where the food is a little bit better and that's been Uh my problem. But, (laughs) but, uh, and then I felt, I felt the yes from heaven. And, and so I, I moved my whole world to, and by my whole world, I'm me, myself, and I, my keyboard, my, you know, all of that. I moved myself to Georgia and, uh, have been there for almost eight years now. So this April will be eight years. Yeah.
0: Crazy. Well, I wanted to show a clip of you now leading worship so people have a context for what you do. So we're going to cut away right now. This is David uh, leading worship, David singing and playing the keyboard.
2: And this is- Smile. serve all the glory
0: Hey, that was fantastic. Thank you for allowing us to share that. Uh, what is your your inspiration? Um, maybe who has been your inspiration as a worship leader, as worship leaders or or singers, or even any artist? What what artists have inspired you?
1: Yeah, John, so that's a great question. So when I was um man, when I was just getting into this thing, I was like drinking from everybody's Kool-Aid, right? So mm-hmm. I'm just like, I'm I'm hearing guys for the first time. So I will tell you this. This is pretty this is pretty unique. So in those beginning years of kind of chasing this um, you know, passion to for worship and delete worship, it was it was honestly artists like Martha Munizi and mm-hmm. um and Israel Houghton. Um I came from a community that was um, st- very diverse. And so the friends that I hung out with in high school and stuff, um, were, were a lot of African-Americans that kind of like put me into that, that gospel world. And so I had, a right. I have a lot of influences from some of those artists while at the same time, um, just really strong, um, worship. I call, I would call him a worship guru, but like, uh, right. like Paul Balash. Paul Balash was super, just his fundamental teachings as I was kind of starting this thing have been really significant for me. And then, um, another, another guy who's now now leads a church in, in, uh, a great, just apostolic church, um, and apostolic in, in, in the office, not necessarily the the denomination, but, um, Bethany church in, in Baton Rouge led by Jonathan Stocksdale. Jonathan is a phenomenal worship leader. And so, yeah. So a lot of their music over the years kind of, spoken to kind of my sound and and what I do, big
0: influence for sure. Right. So what has been your connection with Maverick City? Yeah.
1: So it was funny. So I was, um, I think it's probably been like three years ago now I'm just sitting on my couch and my friend texts me and says, Hey, Maverick City posted and said, if you want to be a part of our choir, send us, send us videos. And we'll, you know, we'll, we'll just kind of evaluate and potentially invite you. And so I'm like, well, that's easy. I got a few little things on YouTube. I don't even have to do much. I'll just send them the videos, you know? And so I did. And shortly after they responded back said, Hey, we'd like to invite you to be a part. And I was like, wow, this is great. So it's cool because for me, that has been, um, an outlet to like, go and be a part of something really great and awesome that I don't necessarily have to like um, lead <laughs> or like, right. you know, like have, have all, carry the weight of the burden of everything, but I can, it's just almost like being a fly on the wall, doing what I love, which is worshiping. And, and so, um, I was, I did, um, Brandon Lake did a, a live record, um, a couple of years ago. It was his house of miracles record, but he did, he did a studio version and then did the live version at a, um, kind of a, a, sort of a, a warehouse studio space in uh, Nashville. And so invited the choir. So we came and we were kind of the audience. So it's kind of cool when the, when you have an artist and you're like, Hey, we want to, we want to invite people to come to this live recording, but really it's right. all people who sing. So when you sing our songs, you know, it sounds good, but it was just kind of funny. So I did that. And then a, a couple years later was able to, uh, invited to be a part of the um, old church basement record that was uh, recorded at Ale- or, ugh, recorded at Elevation church right. in Charlotte. Okay. Cool. And, uh, yeah, so that was, that was, that was electric man to be in the room for, for that. And I mean, even the rehearsals were like, there were some moments in rehearsal. I'm like, man, I hope that makes it on the record, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, but that, that's been really cool.
0: Right. So yeah. what would be your favorite worship scriptures or uh, Bible story? So I'm interested yeah. in that. I mean, you're really a fun loving guy, but what, what has grabbed your attention out of the word about worship?
1: Yeah. You know, John, what's, what's funny is um, I've been kind of digging in this recently because I um, had it on my heart to go. We have a, we have a teen challenge um, boys center near us in where I'm at in Georgia. And uh, I was on my heart to go kind of teach them about worship. You know, they come to our church every Sunday morning. um, But what does all that mean? What does any of that mean? So kind of digging into that, um, you know, when you're a pastor when you're, when you're going to speak, obviously it like positions you to really dig into some things even more than maybe you would sometimes. And so um, I wanted to do, do a message what I called before and after. And so, because I think to really appreciate the after you have to understand the before. And so I dug into a lot of the nitty gritty um, Exodus, you know, the temple, all of the measurements, the acacia wood, the gold, the silver, all of the all of the, the stuff, the checklist, all the details, it was just how heavy and just weighty it was. And, and and probably like somewhat annoying, to be honest, in that day, you know, just so much. Right. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, New Testament happens. Jesus comes, the Messiah, the promised Messiah is walking around and he's showing up everywhere and he has so totally like simplified this thing and said and, and meets this woman on a hill, you know, at a, at a well and and just starts telling her all these things. And she's like, you're a, are you, you're a prophet and all this stuff. And and then all of a sudden, you know, she's like talking about worship. And, and then he goes, one of my favorite verses is so simple. He basically says, you know, now yet a time is coming and it's now come when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth for these are the kind of worshipers the father seeks. And so it basically took all of that, uh, that just um, all of the rules and regulations from that before and it says, it's no longer about where and what you're doing, but it's about, it's about the heart, you know? And uh, to me, like seeing that and now understanding that we don't have to go sacrifice goats and, and mm-hmm. it's not just the high priest who can walk into the most holy place, but now Um, God sees us and we have become his temple. And I think that's beautiful. Like even like John, I think about the old Testament temple and how elaborate and how beautiful, I'm sure it was just incredibly amazing, but how God looks at us and calls us even more valuable than that, because we are now the temple, you know? And to me, I'm like, man, that's a, a beautiful picture of of worship, it, it causes me to want to worship because I think about how God values me in that way. You know, I have to remind, we have to remind ourselves often, but it was that moment, you know, John
0: 4 that really spoke to me. That's good. So you, you mentioned in that scripture, it talks about true worshipers. So how do you define someone as a true worshiper? Cause we have yeah. like in a worship experience uh, at a church, at a, in a venue, at a concert, everybody's kind of there. How, is true worship more than just a worship experience at a church? How does it define your life?
1: Yeah, I think so. Because I, I think, you know, Jesus is saying those words and they're coming out of, uh, you know, a season of like where it's about checking off a list. And I'm, right. I don't know about you, but when I when I'm going through a list of things, I'm not I'm not necessarily doing them because um, all of these things are my total convictions, but I know I have to do this in order to get this, right. you know? And so I think there's something about true worship that says it's not about anything, but my total love and surrender, um, to Jesus, my total love for God my, you know, and so, um, because John, I'll often, I think as worship leaders, we worship better um, when we, what I often do, John was I'll, I'll encourage our young leaders to find your story in the song, in the song right. that you sing, find your story. And there's something about, to me, that is a picture of true worship when you're singing a song, but you're kind of channeling, you're thinking about your experience, how God right. has done the thing you're singing about in you. And then you sing it with conviction. You sing it differently. And to me, that's, that's a good picture of true worship, you know?
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, I was thinking back in Jesus day, he's talking about true worshipers. Well, in the temple, there wasn't uh, the type of worship that we would call worship service. So it had to go a lot deeper than what there was being offered at the temple. And especially in her village uh, in Samaria, I don't think there was a whole lot of worship going on. And I love that I can worship and you can worship wherever we're at. Worship comes from the heart. In the scripture that I said at the beginning, um, Psalms ninety four nineteen, when doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me hope and cheer. And a lot of times my comfort comes out of worshiping the Lord and being hopeful with that and putting on music. You know, that's the great thing about our technology now. We don't have to have a band in front of us or be in a worship service. We can just uh, put our AirPods on, uh, turn music on wherever we're at, in our car, at home, in our prayer closet, and just plug right into worship. And then that atmosphere that I allow myself to be in permeates my life and just carries on all through my day that, that I'm worshiping the Lord as I'm doing whatever. And so it's people like you who inspire me to listen to worship and to uh, plug into worship. And, you know, I love your talking about uh, worship leaders as they lead us into worship, they plug into the song. And what I also love about worship leaders is that they write music. So um, as we, you know, I journal to the Lord a lot of times, but I don't necessarily make it songs. I've written songs before. Uh how would you describe writing songs? What does that mean to you? What is it when you sing a song you've written, how does that translate when you hear other people singing it? What does that do?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, John, it's actually one of the, one of the greatest feelings in the world because it's like in that moment, it's like, man, God gave me this song for people. And when people really engage and embrace, um, the gift that God birthed through you, um, it's just a great feeling. It's, it's like, it puts a, it'll, it'll put a smile on your face. You know, yeah. I, um, um, I have noticed interesting, you know, whenever I sort of say, Hey, we, we wrote this song, I wrote this song. Uh, we want to teach it to you. There is this immediate buy-in. So people are immediately right. like leaned in to kind of, okay, let's see this song, you know? And there's almost like, like, I'm a significant, difference between just introducing a song maybe that's that's popular or whatever on the radio or whatever but then a song that you've written and people are like they're engaged because they feel almost like a sense of ownership like this came from our house this came from our you know right. and uh yeah so it's beautiful yeah
0: yeah i love worship um i was talking to you earlier doing an initiative in las vegas nevada this year going out there five times bringing an apostolic team prophetic team a worship team some entrepreneurs prayer warriors coming together to see revival um, and transformation in Las Vegas. And in June, I'll be bringing uh, as many worship leaders as I can to write songs over that city. So the churches of Las Vegas can begin to sing fresh songs over Las Vegas. So the intercessors can pray to fresh songs up to date, what God is doing right now and what is prophesied. And so um, I love what you do. I love how you take people into worship, how you collaborate with different people. And we expect to hear lots more from you, and lots more original music of what God is speaking to David's heart. Um, I mean, you got a great name, um, Worshipper <laughs> uh, David, man after God's heart. And uh, you're chasing after God, and I love it. Um, you were telling me earlier your church is going into um, a three week revival which is pretty much has been unheard of for the past several years. But God is beginning to stir and do some things in this nation. So tell us about um, what's happening at your church and how people could get involved and watch it online.
1: Yeah, yeah, John, absolutely. So, man, it's crazy. It was actually a year ago um, we had a, an evangelist, um, just a good a good friend of ours. He is a uh, uh, really an apostle to Africa, man. Um, a spiritual son of Reinhard Bonnke. His name is Johannes Amritzer. And um, he he is uh, just a gifted evangelist, but he came to us last year. Um, we've been in a relationship with him for many years now, but he's he, hes talking to our pastor, um, uh, Pastor Ron, and says, you know, I, I feel and sense that we need to do something here in Atlanta um, that's pretty significant. And so, he is committed to, and it's going to begin this Sunday, um, Sunday morning. And for the next three weeks, he will be with us Sunday morning, Sunday night, and then Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday nights. And um, what's crazy is we felt the, like the Lord wanted us to put this on the calendar a year ago. And then as we're kind of sensing what God is doing in pockets around the U.S. right now um, with, with some of these outpourings like in Asbury and, and some other things, it's just the timing of this. Um, even though it was something we put on the calendar, we feel like, we feel like it was obviously God because it was a year ago.
0: It wasn't. Yeah.
1: yeah. And, and John, I don't, I don't know if you knew this or not, but back in January, a little over a month ago, we had a, uh, there was a Thursday night, I think it was January, um, the 12th or something. It was, it was a Thursday, but we had five tornadoes come through the city of Griffin and, and did a lot of. Um, I mean, over, I mean, just cut the trees in half, like, um, tore the roof off of Hobby Lobby, flipped some cars, um, and did some, some structural damage to a lot of property, but not one person in Griffin lost their life. Hmm. And, and what was really powerful about this is there's something about, um, a tragedy like this. And we, we often hear this, that there's something about those things that often bring people together. It, It sobers people in their hearts and minds. And so, um, we don't think it's by mistake. You know, we, God knew exactly what what was happening, and so we've been going door to door, um, offering assistance, helping people with different things. And so now we have shifted and said, "Hey, you know, after giving resources like food and 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 different stuff like that, how can we help you um, with your heart, with your soul, with your mind?" And so we've called this this three week experience. Um, we've called it Hope and Healing. So Hope and Healing Overflow for Griffin, H2O, Hope and Healing. And so, yeah, and so we're uh, we're just super pumped and just believing God's going to transform our community. And so we're excited, John.
0: Well, great. And below we put the information where you can uh, check out what's happening at Griffin First Assembly. And then also uh, how you can follow David Rosenblum. Here's the information for that. I want you to check out what he's doing, what God is doing in his life. He travels a lot, goes and uh, ministers the songs of the Lord and just brings hope and life wherever he goes. And so, David, I just thank you for what you do and for being a worshiper, talking to us about worship and continuing to facilitate songs of worship to the Lord. I'm expecting many songs out of you that, that will go around the world. So get busy, uh, crank them out. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. (laughs) Thank you, John. Well, thanks for joining us today. Uh, It's been a good day of hope and uh, plug into worship. Be a true worshiper and watch what God can do in your life. So thanks for being with me. Thanks again, David, for being our guest. And I hope you all have a great week. Thanks for listening to Hope for Today with John Bates. Let us know your thoughts by leaving a review. You can subscribe and share these episodes wherever you listen. You can connect with John through Facebook, Instagram, and at johnbatesministries.com. Have a blessed day.